welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three dungeon masters who've been doing this for <laughs> way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by... Johnny. The pain of war cannot exceed the war of aftermath. The drums will shake, the castle wall, the ring race ride in black. Are you trying to keep up? Is that a Robert Plant song? That's Battle of Evermore, man. Zeppelin IV. That song is insanity. That's a great song. It is hard. Good, dude. It is hard to follow Robert Plant's voice. Well, not only that, it's also a duet. He has a a female singer singing with him with all these like background parts too. So yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. The ring rates ride in black, dude. Oh my god. Tolkien Estate needs to like give Zeppelin like its due, man. (laughs) Like that was the reason that it became so much bigger in the seventies again. If you you watch the epic rap battles of history, that's uh, Tolkien versus uh, George R. R. Martin. That's (laughs) that's their closing argument. Is you know more hardcore than you'll ever be. Don't don't believe me? Ask Led Zeppelin. (laughs) There you go. Done. You're welcome. (laughs) That's it. That's the closer. All right. But here's why that's a great song. What we're talking about today, because battle is what we're concerned with. We're going to talk about mass combat. How can you run it in D&D? Should you run it in D&D? What are your options for it? And, you know, really, I guess it could, this could apply to any RPG, but I think D&D in particular has been the game where I find myself going, I want a big war, and man, this is clunky. How do I make this? <laughs> you know, that's my experience. Yeah. We are getting this today. For This does come from a listener question from, uh, from Miggy, and Miggy asked, I recently ran a zombie swarm of about 300 zombies laying siege to 150-ish villagers and 25 knights. Normally, I'd have run this as a skill challenge with players directing certain cutscenes, but yesterday I tried it as a mass battle using a mix of homebrew and the unarthurcana arcana mass battle.pdf. I was wondering what your thoughts are on such a scenario. I think this is a good spot to start because, I mean, if you're a DM, this is what you want to do. 300 zombies laying siege to a town. What are you afraid is going to go wrong there? Well, I'm afraid it sounds like a math problem gone sour. There's 300 zombies, there's 100 villagers, there's 25 knights, there's 12 people with all pikes, there's seven people on horses with lances, there's 15 warriors with broadswords and shields, and that's all shit you're now tracking. Or as we call it, Friday in the Woodstock Wanderers. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. Actually, no, I've never gone that big. The one, to, there are a couple of times we have gone that big with higher level characters. Sometimes you can get away with it because, like, for instance, in fourth edition, which which had the minion rules, you could throw out three hundred minions, and the wizard could just cast cast cloud kill and hoover them all up like it was a giant undead vacuum. You know, like there was ways there are, vacuum clear, yeah, yeah. There, there there are ways if you know your characters. Sometimes you can throw a ton of monsters out there just knowing you can count on the wizards and the sorcerers to kind of mop them up. But for the most part, yeah, this is tricky. You can wind up with a really boring encounter where the players are watching you work out hard algebra all fucking night. You don't want that. <laughs> the quadratic equation. Yeah, I would say, Thorne, I think I, I saw, it's a good thing you brought up Woodstock, because I, I saw the, the echoes of this beginning, the percolations when we got our keep recently, <laughs> And we kind of ran down with the uh, Castellan 
what we have that we now, you know, look over. We have 25 knights. We have the 25 destroyers. We have 100, 200 soldiers, you know. And I'm like, ooh, that's some mass combat coming down the pike. <laughs> I would say be. this is actually – this is a good thing that we're talking about this because a lot of – I don't know if the listeners know, Miggy's actually still currently – running that combat and he really needs to know where to like where can he take this because he's only about a hundred zombies in and yeah he's having a hell of a time with it so we're we're live streaming right with him right now uh, <laughs> my understanding is Mickey, big... my understanding is Mickey did wrap this up in one or two sessions oh that's but... wow that's impressive my you, you hats know, to you sir you, you know dave you bring up uh, what you mentioned though woodstock wanders there's definitely a mass combat future in Woodstock Wanderers. Yeah. And I do find, because I tend to do a little political intrigue, I do tend to bring the players to war at some point. Usually, like, a little higher level, I want to bring out and do a mass combat, and it has been difficult. The problem is, you know, we talk about when you have a lot of figures on the board, how it can get take a long time to come back to player turns. Well, if you have a lot of non-player units on both sides that you're fighting each other out, if you try to roll that out on a one-on-one -on -one basis or even like a combined unit basis, the players wind up watching you basically just do a lot of math. And you got to be careful not to do that. So you got to figure out a way to how am I going to run my mass combat where I can do the cool stuff, let the players show off. In my case, I really wanted the players to have a bearing on the outcome. So I didn't want to have it be just oh, yeah, if they make their skill rolls, they win. If they don't, they lose. I wanted them to actually, the battle to actually matter. So how do you achieve those things in a package that doesn't take too long and bore people? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this this goes, so anybody who even starts DMing, <laughs> within the first three months that you will ever DM, you're going to start thinking, oh, man, I could probably do like the Battle of Helms deep. <laughs> and just really like, oh, my, and they could be, they have to overtake the castle and all of this. And I think this goes back to the very beginnings of this game, because this game grew out of war gamers, where they would have their big armies on massive tables, and they would have the, you know, the distance measures. It was like, you know, the early versions of Warhammer. And the whole idea of D&D &D was, they said, what if, Instead of the army, you were one guy, and you're and that guy went through these games as themselves, and they leveled up, and they you know they and they role played as that. So it goes right back to the very beginning where D and D was kind of an offshoot of it, and said mass combat is over there, and we're doing this thing. So I think you're probably gonna this is gonna revolve a little around that tone. I think that the question should be asked, what are you intending to do here? Are you looking out to really concrete with mathematical terms, look at your units on the board, how many hit points they have, their defense, and how you're going to deal with them in that respect? Or are you trying to tell about a story about a mass battle? Mm. If it's a story, one thing 4E did pretty decently was those minions. They were impossible to sell on anybody logically because these creatures always had one hit point. And when you have a level 20 one hit point monster, it really leaves all the mathematicians scratching their heads. I, I kind of didn't. I hated those. But actually, a lot of people do like them. But what was cool about that was, for example, if I did zombies, I attacked with a lot of zombies. You could blast these zombies, the fireball, a mass attack, cut them down. But if they got up on you, they actually could harm you to an extent. Certainly not as powerful as a regular creature of an appropriate level, but they could put damage on you. And that is, it was a decent mechanic in that respect. 
Yeah, I mean, I have that written down myself, the whole idea of the minions point, uh, where they can do the same level of damage of a zombie, but you can cleave through hordes of them, especially if you start to bring in ideas of like mass damage or great cleave kind of things where you swing and like you crit, you don't just kill that one zombie, you crit through like 20 of them, you know, and then you can narratively show how you're just swinging because that's what everyone wants. They want that that hallway battle from, you know, Netflix's Daredevil, or they want Helm's Deep when you're just rolling down the orcs and just fucking Legolas is firing <laughs> 73 arrows, right? Everybody wants that. But yeah, how do you do it without it becoming algebra? Yeah. So, I mean, this is what we don't want to have happen, right? And we talked about it, but you don't want it to turn into something that's boring for the players. There are, I found three ways to handle a mass combat situation. And maybe there's more, but there's three that I generally think of. One is as a skill challenge. And the skill challenge tends to be, you know, you put your players in charge of some units or in, or you let them decide what they want to do and you make them succeed on a skill challenge to succeed and the fate of the battle probably relies on their skill challenge. This comes back to what Tony was saying. You know, if you want to do the mass battle as a story, if you want to tell a story about a mass battle, this is a good way to do that. It does take the crunchiness away. It takes any tactical combat away. But it gives the players agency over what they're doing. It can be a lot of fun. It can get them out of just kind of rolling D20, you know, rolling attack rolls to trying to do something more important. But you could also include attack rolls in the skill challenge. Maybe they hit a point where they need to make attack rolls instead of skill checks because they need to take out a boss or something. Or they need to, you know, shoot down the chieftains or something like that. So the other two ways you can do it are what I like to call the Dynasty Warriors way. Which is, anyway, you guys ever played Dynasty Warriors? Fantastic no. franchise. It is so it is so much fun. Uh, and I haven't played it in years, so I'm the the older versions were a lot of fun. I can't. Where's Lou I Boo and here? <laughs> I mean, Zhang Fei is from Dynasty Warriors. That's how I that's who I based my 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 uh, my bugbear on. <laughs> so Dynasty Warriors was basically you're playing this Chinese hero from the uh, Legend of from the Romance of the Three Kingdoms through the battles. And you are so much more powerful than the average soldier. So what you really do is you go out there using your attacks to kill hundreds of enemy soldiers, thousands of enemy soldiers. They don't always die to one hit, but you're comboing them up, running around the map. But what really triggers do you win the battle or not is a couple of things. One, do you kill them in the right places? So you kind of, you know, it's not just kill as many enemy soldiers as you can. It's you got to go like save, like, you know, you might have one of your generals is getting cut down. You have to go over there and save them. Or you have to go open, you know, have to go win at the gate so you can blast open the gate so you can get inside the castle. And the other thing going on, though, is you have enemy heroes as well who you run into, which turns into one-on-one -on -one combat. So mm -hmm. I think the Dynasty Warrior system, which is something like a lots of minions out there but also some some duels and some goals the players have to take. So it's not just keep attacking, attacking, attacking. Like they gotta, they know they have to get to here, and they know they have to get to there, and you know that there's this many soldiers in each of those directions. It's a good way to go. The only problem with it is D&D's martial characters aren't so great at mass attacks, whereas Dynasty Warriors, like, they'll have big pole attacks where they basically spin around and, and take out 20 yeah, or 30 guys. Like Dave's head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I would say that that actually makes me think of uh, one of the things that is a possibility for this, because that's what it sounds like uh, would be a mini game. So in essence, having a game within the game, it's not. So you're playing 5e you're, with the Woodstock Wanderers are out there. We're going to be taking on a, we're sieging another castle, whatever. 
And now the game shifts into this is what we're doing. And here are the parameters for this new little mini game. It's almost as if when you people will bring out dice games or card games within their game in taverns or whatever as this little aside, you know. But go ahead. This one actually isn't a minis game approach because this one is more like, okay, I need them. You like, like, like they need to take these objectives and I have in mind, they got to kill like 30 guys and the boss. And I wouldn't do that with minis. That's actually. No, 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 not, not minis, a mini game, like a, a game within okay, the yeah. game. Yeah. Sort so of, yeah, just yeah. different parameters, different objectives, yeah. different parameters almost. Yeah. And, and then the third way actually is the mini game way. And it's one that D and D that, that TSR and Watsy have both come back to. Uh, and I believe that uh, Matt Colville's uh, recent expansion for um, Kingdoms of Warfare. Yeah, I believe comes to, he comes back to the same idea, which is more of a classic minis wargamer kind of approach uh-huh. where you break the enemy armies down into units of a certain number. So if you have a thousand, per, if you have like a ten thousand uh, orc army, those are made up of units of a hundred each, and you know, you, and you basically have units on the on the player side, units on the enemy side. And those units deal damage to and to each other using a more of a mini system until they're all ground down and someone wins or like they break morale. That oh. uses usually uses a, an add-on system, like yeah, like you said, kingdoms and warfare. D and D has on several occasions released minis at like kind of minis rules for this sort of thing, where you're where where you're where like second edition had it, I believe fourth edition had it too, where it is the system of how do you kind of break them down into units and do a minis combat. One of the things that can make that fun is it is, again, a minis game, and you let the players control one side while you control another side. Mm. So for a night, it becomes a matter of you're both sitting down to play more of a tactical minis game rather than them doing heroic combat. I guess what I want to ask is, we're talking about a mass battle. Are we talking about a party of four to six players versus, say, a dozen monsters? Or are we talking three dozen monsters or 500? Mm. because i mean really i'm sorry if you've got like 15 monsters out there that board is a mess there's a yeah. lot going on from my point of view when i say mass combat i mean armies yeah i mean hundreds thousands like a lot it is when, when i'm talking mass combat i'm talking how can i recreate a war in a D encounter yeah i mean that's what i was planning on doing uh it was an option for the team in my pathfinder campaign uh during the finale was in essence the uh, the the invading forces, the tribe that had been assembled um, that was going to start taking over the town. And this last town was the last one standing. All that, you know, like I said, this one was full of every trope you could think of. Um, I built out the possibility that if they wanted to be in the army and command the armies, they could do that. And in essence, I built it out where you would have units and platoons and I made it a very simple system where they had the goblins or the orcs or the archers had an AC that you would hit and hit points equal to the amount of people in that unit. So you would be blasting out a hundred different goblins, let's say, but you know, it would be, so it was a way to utilize the system very easily and cleanly and simulate a mass battle. Unfortunately, I didn't do that because they decided to kind of do the the little uh, sneak in around Sons the back. Bitches. But <laughs> I also had the the possibility, Tony, like you were just saying with 15 of, so you have that high overview, right? Over like the Pelennor fields, right? When the movie starts, 
But then what does it do? It's, it swoops in, the camera swoops in to where the lead character is fighting a smaller piece of that battle. That's also a way, so you could come from that high view narratively, come down and do much more of a on the board or theater of the mind thing, and then swoop back out to as the armies are moving too. That's you know two different, three ways that I kind of approached it myself. Yeah, and that's that's sort of that Dynasty Warriors approach, oh. where you basically have, you have the hero characters fighting at turning points in the battle. So, yeah. yeah, they're not the only ones fighting. There's fighting going on all over the place. You're going to make sure some things die so they know there was a battle. <laughs> but if the if the point of view characters win at their points or win an X number of points, they win the battle. Yeah. If they lose, they lose the battle. You know, that's that's kind of how, how, I, how I see that working. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to do it because you still let your players have a heroic combat situation. But it's one that does capture that feel of a mass combat. One of the problems with this, however is that 5e, when it throws out a bunch of these these minions, these soldiers, they really don't have a lot of attack power and opposed to the mm-hmm. players. So honestly, I can see like Erasmus like, oh my God, here's all our guys. We could do this, we could do that. I'm like, I'm going to walk out there and start bla- blasting these asshats with fireballs. And they're going to start running for their lives. Because that's exactly, <laughs> I have a 150 foot range with radius on these attacks. I could just throw these out all day long because he's an invoker. And you know, that is like, and that is the other thing you got to keep in mind and that D&D characters do change how war is fought. Yeah, that's yes. why actually in the Woodstock Wanderers, your, your kingdom, Nuscovy, the kingdom Erasmus is from, they have, and part of the reason I want to get to a, a mass combat there is I have this this vision of them having these mixed arms units of like, you know, you know you're talking like a hundred mounted knights charging down with wizards embedded with them to both counterspell fireballs coming at them and yeah. throw their own fireballs. How does that work together? And then the second question is, if you're going to actually put that in a D&D game, how the hell do you make that work mechanically in the D&D game? So I'd like to do it, but there's a lot of like, I got to work out a lot of details about how exactly it works. And it comes down to this. You know, how do you do mass combat in D&D? In a mass combat, one of the things that can really slow it down to no end is having too many different style of units out there. Because then you're tracking their abilities, armor class, saving throws, the nine. Even when you're doing a combat with, say, seven, eight creatures, they've all got different things going on. So, I mean, the, all these things do matter in the course of the mechanics. Um, if you're doing a mass battle, I wouldn't run the mechanic and try to do that super tight. That's just not my bag. Like, if you're looking for that whole Warhammer minis approach thing and you are prepared to say, tonight we are doing this battle, then there it is. Like, map it out, you know, oh, get your absolutely. minis. Absolutely. No, you have to approach that as you have to approach something like this, like your big boss battle. You have to give it the time and the gravitas. Um, the one thing I would say, I would definitely, if people have it, I'm I'm guessing most of our listeners have already. Uh, but go check out the Unearthed Arcana Mass Combat. It's a little five pager they put out play test style. It can give you some ideas because they got some cool ideas, especially about morale and things like that. But like I would say, I would break it down. If you wanted to do a straight big mass combat, you wanted to do the Battle of Helm's Deep or whatever, I would do it in two different modes. I would do the high overview where it works just like D&D combat. Okay, so in essence, you're still allowing the system to play. So you don't have to, you could do a little game within a game, but then you have to give new rules out or new parameters, which can be fun. 
but that can be frustrating for people too. So it still works in exactly the same way. You got the high overview. Works like combat, every group has initiative. So each of the units have it, and then they get an AC and they get hit points and you are attacking and you have different firepower. Archers have different firepower than the wizards and the battle clerics and all of that. You can then swoop in that camera that swoops in to the local battles. And that is your classic heroic combat, but you definitely have terrain being a much bigger option, including the mountains of dead bodies, much like they talked about in the Civil War, where they would have to stop the battle to clear bodies off the field because they couldn't actually <laughs> continue. Yeah. Different combatants and increase some of the risks and some of the randomness, because just like in uh, a great movie of, of you know old medieval war, you have that one horse that's just like riderless trampling down, you know, 12 of your dudes right behind you as you're like, you know, you just happen to to escape it. Or like in the Lord and, of the Rings movie, you have the Oliphants coming through. Yeah, yeah. There was one, I can't remember what movie it was or show, but they really, the, the battle scenes had that level of chaoticness to it where you literally felt the complete randomness of your survival as the lead character. Also, if you're talking about mass combat, you're probably talking about kingdoms battling each other much like we're talking about in woodstock possibly with our keep so i would flip to the back of your dmg and check out the little tiny two-pager on siege engines because that's a whole nother level of what we're talking about what is your mass combat is it just two armies slamming against each other or is it like tactical gridded combat where you have to plan out your strategy because that could be fun for your players depending so, Dave, you mentioned you would do it like Helm's Deep style, in that you would kind of kind of do the top level where the units are crashing into each other, and then zoom into the point of view characters. How do you keep that top level from becoming just the players waiting for you to do the math? Yeah, great question. Uh, and if I had uh, actually done it in my Pathfinder campaign as I had written it out, uh, I could probably give you a much better sense of that. Uh, but I think narratively, also, I would say something like that. Uh, much like you said with the Dynasty Warriors idea, where if you win that battle, you know, you advance your objective. If you lose it, you lose it. So you could play in a whole morale idea or something of that nature where those high overviews begin to change drastically if what's happening on your level is going yeah. poorly, you know. So that could start to where the tides then turn and then maybe in your local combat those enemy combatants start to get a lot tougher now because they have the advantage and they're going to push it on you as you're starting to be pushed back. Could be. That's the, the reason I ask is because I have tried to do combats that way before. Like I've done, the players are involved in a combat where I'm running both armies. And that is the problem I ran into. Even though I made them units, I was running them both. I'm doing a ton of math and the players are just waiting on it. I tell them, yeah. okay, you guys lost this many and they lost this. Many. Exactly. It and reminds me of, uh, I saw a little live stream. I had to watch it because uh, they had uh, Matt Mercer playing Strahd. So I had to tune in, but it was uh, called into the mists and they were doing like the battle of Velaki, but they had built it in where like the audience was like uh, donating to their, to their cause that they were running that night or whatever. So the, the audience was involved because like, a certain amount of arrows could be loosed against the zombie hordes. So like in that way, it was fun. But how the fuck do you do that at like your table? Right. Yeah, exactly.
honestly, I would throw out a scenario where you had your players fighting the hardest part of the army. Like you, ha- here you are, you're a group, you're going to spearhead this movement against, say, the shock troops or the elite troops of the opposing army. And then in the background, yeah, I'm working out who's dying per round. I'd let the players put their tactics together where they want to position their archers, their footmen, their riders, etc. Factor that on, see how that feels out in terms of a good plan, consider what they have, if the enemy has any tricks up their sleeve, and let it kind of unfold. I mean, or, I mean, it's, it's really that, or I'm really making a map, I'm putting out a fig for everybody who's out there, and we're just going to keep going this around, but that's going to no. take a hot minute. No, no. If you're going to do hot, that, go with, uh, like Thorne was saying, with, the, like, the literal minis war game at that point, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think that, Which yeah. could be fun. I mean, that definitely is an idea for mass combat, because it's a, it's a one-time thing, right? It's something that's different than the rest of the campaign. So, for me... That would be super fun as a player. Uh, also as DM, too, but uh, not necessarily for everyone, though. You know, not everyone wants to play Warhammer. Yeah. I mean, in those systems, they tend to be a little clunky in D&D. We can make them work. You guys have both mentioned some things that actually really help. One of them is morale. And that's one of the big things. If you're doing mass combat where you are breaking the units down into smaller, where you are kind of doing like, you know, 10 or 100 person units, you don't wait until the unit's totally destroyed before they lose. Usually around 50%, you make a roll, and if they fail the roll, they run away. Around, you know? yeah. And, and that speeds things up a lot. The problem is there's still a lot of rolls, and it's just still a lot to do. It works best if the players are evenly involved with it. If you're kind of if they control one of the armies, you control another one. Uh, and you can even give them each units to control. So if you're going to do that war game style, that is a way, I think, to do it. And that's the way it can make it work, so long as your players are into that. I remember I had one player, we did a fleet combat in Star Wars, uh, the D6 system we've talked about before. And my buddy, like, I mean, his tactics weren't like, hey, I'm going to set up and try to use good unit positioning in order to shoot down these other, these cap, these Empire capital ships. He crashed every <laughs> ship he had into the Star Destroyers to destroy them. Like, his only tactic was everything was a kamikaze crash. <laughs> it was just a totally different way to handle it, and not necessarily the most effective, although he did win, they, they, the players did win in the end. And I think one of them, and if I remember correctly, I set that up where I think only that player was controlling ships. I don't know about the other players. If they were, it may, it might have been a one-on-one game. Kind of, kind of my own stab at making Star Wars galaxies or Star Wars, uh, this, the, the the fleet game they have out <laughs> before yeah. they released it. No, that's awesome. But you know what that makes me think yeah. of though, real quick, is Chris, my brother, had actually run a game at one point, and during a part of it, he wanted to try to do a mass combat thing. So he was trying his own version. So in essence, he broke it out into you had different units, they all had different abilities, different speeds, blah blah blah. And each of us as the players were in essence became the generals of that. We we were kind of leading those armies. So that makes me think of what you were just saying, Thor, where uh, with that high overview portion, having the players then translating to that high overview and they have to command those large battalions and troops would keep them involved as well. But your story about the West End system makes me think too. It's like it goes back to our Call of Cthulhu talk where we always come with a D&D mentality. So like Tony's character, what he's doing, he buys 500 fucking guns, right? Because he's just like, I'm going to kill my way out of this problem. Or the same way with like the Star Wars system where you're like, 
well, fuck it. Like, we have to win, and my guy's not going to die. So, yeah, throw all of these ships into the start. Meanwhile, they all have families waiting back on fucking uh, Tatooine, right? But, yeah, we come from this very uh, D&D mentality, you know? He's Lord Farquaadding the battle from Shrek. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> How very brave. That's real paradox. And, and to tell you the truth, with that that little like kind of mini mass combat session that Chris tried to on the one time, I kind of came with it with a D&D mentality, too, because at one point the big bad guy came out. So I was like, all right. And I started to want to use my own character and his abilities to go after this guy. I wanted to sneak around. I wanted to rogue up and assassinate him. And I mean, it was cool tactics. But Chris is like, well, yeah, that's going to now the whole session is going to be done, you know? I think a lot of this also plays into how power is applied in your game. So that is a footman, is is that something that can actually harm your character? Is that threatening? Um, if this is somebody that your character would get within six feet of and they'd fall over dead, then I don't think this whole, this really works as effectively. Like, oh my God, here comes a bunch of, like I was saying earlier, a bunch of uh, soldiers are coming at us. And what are they going to do? Give me a host of paper cuts? <laughs> because then we were going to mop these fools up. And you know what? Their morale is going to break and they're going to run away. And that's one of the reasons why D&D traditionally doesn't go after this style of game. But then they bring out other things to mass combat you with all these different hit point values and everything else. You have more complicated battles like Thorn did with Woodstock. We had all these bugbears and the gnolls and, you know, all this other crazy stuff. But that could be in a danger of a slog, too, because then you have a lot of like that one battle I did in Storm Kings when you siege the hill giant lair. That yeah. battle was an absolute clusterfuck. There was hill giants everywhere. Every one of these clowns had like 80-something hit points each. Oh, the final, final confrontation? No, no, no. The, 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 hill, the hill giant lair that we went in the No, no, yeah. Yeah, but up. we had, that was several levels of that. But I think you mean, Tone, at the very end, right? Yes. Because exactly. there were like, yeah, there were like 98 hill giants there's 74 wolves in the corners there's uh, goblins for no reason <laughs> i played that right on the table i brought up the map because thor yeah. bought it and i'm like here's all this shit it's here have at it i will say that i remember that being a very 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 exciting session though it was it got a little slow it was one of those ones that got a little slow we talked about that on an earlier episode i don't know mm -hmm. but it was worth it like it was a fun battle you know, it depends on how on what all the DM wants to bring into play. Yeah. So, yeah, Tony, you mentioned that, like, you would kind of do, you'd basically let the put the party in in the fight to go take on the, the enemy's toughest troops. Meanwhile, in the background, you'd be simming what happened to the rest of the army, who's winning, who's losing. Would you do that with one role? Because like, I'm, I'm thinking about ways to do this. And, like, how did you, is that like a single role between rounds, or is that like where you were, like, simming out the rest of the battle? You may want to break it up, like, say, in units of 10. You could do that depending upon how many troops there are, just to see who hits, assign an average damage, kind of like they did in 4E, because all those minions just did flat like damage. For example, like a, a zombie might hit you for six every time, and then they would not – actually, could minions in 4E crit or not? I don't believe I don't they so. even could. Yeah, they just did a flat six if they managed to hit, yeah. but they had higher defense values. But anyway, yeah, and I would kind of do have some randomness generated in there. But I'd have the players taking the star approach versus trying to maneuver all these other smaller troops to do whatever when that could kind of be playing out in the background. And you're absolutely right. When troops get down to about 50 percent, they're questioning their life decisions. Yeah. Their numbers go. 
That yeah. was always a part of D and D until like fifth edition or fourth and fifth edition. But traditionally, second you know, morale was a part of every monster in D and D second edition, and it was always it was always a big part of combat because there's never 100% casualties in a in a battle. That's not the way that works. People get people, you know, they start getting cut yeah, up. Not without not without atomics, right? I mean, that's pretty much <laughs> the only way you're getting to that point. Or let's dodge uh, your commander. But what are we talking about here in the end, right? Because what this always breaks down to, and this goes for several things within D&D, 5e specifically, and games like it, is that there are several scenarios that exist that you want to play out that you have to, in essence, design something for. You have to take at least part of the rule set or, or something and create something that is different than the game. And I'm thinking about this with um, what we're going to be doing in the Strahd game. It is not mass combat, but what we are doing, it's no spoilers to, to you two because we ended with it last session, but Hawk has now challenged the, I have the lead werewolf in essence being Macho Man Randy Savage for lack of a better, uh, I mean, it's the quickest way to say it, but we're going to have a wrestling match. As much as close as I can do to create it. So what I've done is create at least a loose, which I'm going to send out to the players so they got a sense of what they can start to do. But I have a loose. In essence, it's a mini game. It's a game within the game that has some different objectives like Thorne was talking about with things, not morale, but what I call momentum or winning over the crowd. And you have to reach this before anything can happen in terms of pinning your opponent or things of that nature. But I have to design that because I don't really have it. I, I flip through the books and I have nothing to go off of, right? So I have to design it. And with mass combat, it's no different. You're going to have to design a level of it. I have designed mini game aspects and games before, and I've done it. It's actually been pretty successful. Here's the trap. Don't go crazy with this shit. Mm -hmm. yeah. you're, you're not inventing a whole system for one game. Have some rules, like for example, have it prepaid. Prepaid. prepaid it's not a card for your phone. It's uh, a burner have prepared, phone. Have a burner uh, phone. <laughs> you're right. We'll go to West Baltimore, and uh, <laughs> so you, you understand how your mechanics are going to work out in the beginning. You can explain it to your players. It'll make sense. You can kind of grind down the hit points of the attacks as the rounds go on, and they can see the effect of you know what's going to happen if they take out take out X amount of troops, a commander. Uh, a capture a, a key tactical point so they have a, an idea of what victory looks like in this situation i think that'd be mm -hmm. very helpful yeah and i think you know as we're talking kind of a good way to do mass combat has kind of been bubbling around in my head as we've been talking about this because you both thrown out some good ideas i think you know as tony as, as dave said actually the idea that you want to work in some of the chaos somehow is i think yeah. important in a mass combat and maybe that plays out in that you make some kind of random roll at the beginning of the PC's turn to see if something happens to them. Or maybe they make a saving throw to start their turn. If they fail their save, you're on a random chart to something. Yeah, you know, they get shot from a guy they didn't oh, see. Oh, I like they, that. They, 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 they fall. They, they, they trip on a body. They're being charged by an only font. They got to make a dodge to get out of the way. Maybe it takes their whole turn. You know, you could do something like that at the beginning of each player turn. I also am thinking about, okay, how do you sim out the rest of the battle? So let's forget for a second units. Battles tend to be fought in zones. You tend to have, you know, your, your, your kind of center infantry. You might have your flanking infantry. You might have some, well, missile troops around and you might have some cavalry troops around. 
So maybe what you do is you just figure out who's in what zone and maybe the players get to put some of their things in their zones. And between, you know, so basically, again, between turns, like when you get to the players or when you get to the top of the round again, you just maybe make a, a competing D20 roll for each of those zones. And if you feel like there's a tactical advantage, maybe one side gets a plus X or whatever, plus, you know, plus two, plus three, plus four or whatever, or maybe gets advantage. And whoever wins that competing role, you have a set percentage of the troops on the other side that either got killed or ran away. So you start, a tri so, so you can basically, in a kind of a fairly quick top of the round, I roll five dice against five dice. Maybe the players even get to roll the, the, the side they're on. Maybe they get to roll their dice and you roll the yes. enemy dice. Yes. And for everyone, whoever wins in each zone, the other zone gets weaker. And then if the other zone gets weaker, there, there's a plus to the, to the, to the enemy that's winning that's kind of shows kind of them winning in that zone and pushing forward i feel like you can do those two things have your player characters your party in the fight pursuing their goals going after enemies going after generals in between with with those kind of three elements you have a pretty good mass combat right there well with uh thor i love that one idea and i think that's a you asked before how do you keep them involved in that high overview other than i'm just rolling some dice and you have to wait for your turn what you just described is an awesome way because what it's doing is it's increasing the risk every single turn for them because shit's about to go down. When they have to make that save in the beginning of the round and depending on how they just rolled for the uh, their, their parts of the army, that could just – maybe that DC starts to increase each time. Yeah. That's going to now matter when you can dial up that tension for the seemingly, oh, it's just the other army. Well, no, that's going to matter because you're going to get surrounded, let's say, or a fucking piece of granite from this castle is going to fall down on your side. Who the fuck knows, right? And I think you can do it in not too many extra rolls. Oh, no, like that's, yeah. That's what I think is like quick. trying to get it down so you're not doing a ton of math and it's not too long. I would have an idea, too, in the beginning of this combat scenario, you can homebrew it, how morale will be affected. So, for example, if a commander is killed or captured, if a key troop is, if X amount of troops are, if something occurs in the battlefield, like someone's using magic, uh, like evocation, or a really formidable opponent is on the field, does it look like there's an answer for that? I would factor all these things in. Of course, that and troop loss. So that's kind of yeah. like the, at the end. So it's like, all right, you can start getting around. These all start adding up. You're like at 50% and lower. That's when they're making a tactical retreat and or possibly a surrender, depending upon how it's playing out. And honestly, I think what you mentioned with like the, if a commander gets killed or if a champion gets killed, I would have automatic things attached to that. Commander in the zone gets killed. That zone is a loss. Champion oh God, in that zone yeah. gets killed. They lose like 20% of the troops. They're gone. They're hitting the hills. Yeah. Yeah. I think because I think you can basically those are built in battle rewards that the players can 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 capture as they're going through the combat. I think that's a good point, too, because it actually makes the makes me think of what is it? I think it was last episode we were talking about. Uh, Tony brought it up about the Joker. And it's like, at what point do like the the henchmen be like, fuck this guy. Like he just shot a guy cause he brought him the wrong espresso. Like I'm outie. I don't need this. Like I could get a job anywhere. I'm out. Like, you know, so with your troops, like the same thing, they're not going to hang around unless somebody's yeah. back there shooting them. Right. You know, if they start to retreat, you know, Marine style or whatever. <laughs> you know, Man, outside of that. Yeah. I gotta tell you, if you're the one guy with a gun and shooting anyone who retreats, you don't <laughs> last that long. 
you yeah. only have so many bullets, and there's a lot of people coming at you. I yeah. mean, they all—you gave them all guns too. I mean, yeah. how much yes, they for them to shoot you instead? Yeah. They're currently carrying them, you know. <laughs> well, likewise, I'd also throw out like, what is your victory conditions in the beginning of this as well? Mm. That'll help yeah. them plan out their tactics, what they're going to try to do, the troop formations, what their players, the characters themselves are going to do, et cetera. I mean, one thing I've done before is you basically give your players, okay, here's the troops you have. Um, here's how they're going to be laid out in the default fashion. You can adjust this if you want to, and you guys can decide how you want to go in. Do each of you want to go lead one of these troops, which is splitting the party and does slow things down, but you give them the option? Or do you all want to go in as part of one troop and fight in as a party? And then you get to that point where, you know, like Dave, like you said, you want to use your abilities on the battlefield, like your sneaking yeah. rogue stuff, which yeah. I think you should be able to do. Like, I don't think you want to make everyone into a warrior in the middle of this fight. You want everyone to be able to use what they're good at. Yeah, because not everyone is going – and also not everyone is just going to want to lead armies. Like, that's the death knell for some players. They're like, nah, yeah. this is I – don't, I don't want to do this. But really this is kind of – this is not going to be a military campaign. We're talking about a mass combat scenario. A session. Session or yeah. two. Yeah. And that's what I, mean, I say about one, one shots. What's great about them is I can throw something out there. And you're like, man, I did not want to be at the high seas. And like, great, because it's over. <laughs> or they really liked it. You had one fight on the ship, and now you've got to your island or your shipwrecked, and okay, now it's a different game. Yeah. That's great. That's less, you know, DM, you know, you have to throw out ex not that many chips out there, not that much risk in case it tanks. Sorry, guys. So to get back to it's a Miggy's original question here, you know, he's doing a combat. We have 300 zombies laying siege to a village with 150 villagers and 25 knights. How would you have approached that problem? Well, I, my question there is, where are the players right, yeah. right there? Like, are they they are they entrenched in uh, this walled city? Are there no walls? What are they going to do? And and that at that point, too, are they going to take command of these knights? They could. They could work with in tandem. You could split them up and say, hey, each of you players are getting five knights. They're with you. Or, um, you know, you're fighting alongside of you. I would consider doing that. I'd have them breaking up, like maybe having them each attack roll I made for the Knights as the DM in fives and split it up and I could move them around as they wanted without making too crazy. But everybody's going on essentially one initiative. Right. The Knights would. Players still split. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have approached it a lot like I would what I said with most of the mass combat, which is I would have that. Well, first, I would want to know what does that party operate like? Because yeah. there are some parties that you are, oh, I've got this awesome mass combat. And they're like, fuck this, plane shift. They can all, like, that <laughs> That town's lost, guys. We can't go back there. They're all zombies now. You know, so don't waste your time if you have that party. You know, so know what your party may or may not do. And then have some possible avenues. Like I said with my Pathfinder one, um, I had an idea for mass combat. They decided to go a different route. I gave them an out because I wasn't just going to be like, you're doing this because I wrote it. So I gave them an out and they decided to go that route. No problem. But I would have run it a, a lot the same. So I would have had the zombies lying, laying siege to the town. They would have been coming outside the town walls. And then I would have several fail states going on. So the zombies would be going in that high overview. Thorn, you said like zones, right? And they'd all get rolls. Certain things would occur and that would start to change the parameters of the battle. And then depending on what the the players want to, how do they want to approach that and handle it? You can then start to shift that into some of the local combats, or maybe they have an idea to 
turn all of these zombies that can I can hear within 30 feet of me. So they got a cleric on four corners of the town and all the zombies are fucking running for the hills, you know, because it's within earshot. So, you know, but I would have I would have had several different fail states that would have started to shift depending on how how they reacted. I think if this was if this was me, I would probably leave the villagers cowering unless the players did something to whip them up. The knights, I would let the players tell them what they're going to do. But I might just say, okay, players, you have 300 zombies coming at you. They are starting. They're they're starting a hundred, you know, a hundred yards away. What do you want to do? And I give the players the opportunity to basically try to kill 300 zombies at range to see if they can figure out a way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, like you said, Dave, it depends on what their on what their party makeup is. But I mean, if you have zombies coming and they're packed, you know, every and they're they're packed in one to you know one every five feet. How many of those does a fireball get? It gets yeah. a lot. I mean, again, many- right? But like you just said, they just maybe like 300 zombies to a level three party is instant. You are not making it out alive. Mm-hmm. But to one wizard with a wish. That's literally right. <laughs> like that's before lunchtime, right? So yeah, like you said, party makeup matters a lot. Uh, in fourth edition, you could use a cloud kill to probably take out that entire the entire group of three hundred. <laughs> I think because because cloud kill the way it worked was it rolled over them and you could move it x amount every turn. And I'm pretty sure if they were packed in a tight enough line, you could just run right over them and just you know hoover them up. Yeah, if they're like, vulnerable to poison. That's true. Ah, and, and fourth that worked i don't remember how it worked but yeah you get poisoned in fourth don't get me started on that crap (laughs) but again that hits hits to a very important point i think and this is why this starts to break down and why many people have tried to make mass combat rules that don't fully operate is because dnd plays in a very real in a very specific way where you get to use your special gifts in this world as a singular being. So players will oftentimes come up with things to annihilate mass amounts of, especially as they level up higher, that you would never have thought of. So your mass combat becomes null to a point, right? I mean, like like I'm thinking of Phineas with his uh, sphere of glowing death that he used to throw around. Uh, He swapped it out for something. No, Uh, that was, um, which that was, Everd's tentacles, I think. No, 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 not the hunger of Hadar. It was, it was a large green, poisonous, swirling mass of glowing necrotic right. energy. It was um, sickening radiance. Yeah, and it was just a giant globe of death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, globe of blast. Yeah. I mean, it probably wouldn't work on zombies, but again, you don't. No, know actually, how. it would. You could you ex- the exhaust effect still would have worked. It was right. So actually, you don't I think radiant, it's radiant damage that would have worked too. Out of oh, there you go. Yeah, you don't know how your party is gonna is gonna react. So there is that's where some some of this will always hit up against is that you have to allow the heroic singular gifts that the players are bringing to the table, uh, regardless of whatever game design you you've created for for some sort of mass combat between kingdoms or whatever armies. You know what else you can do to make this combat fun? Yeah. Siege engines or explosives. Oh, yeah. Introduce something where the players so so because letting the players use their unique gifts sounds great. The problem you run into is your spellcasters are better at this than Absolutely. your than your warriors. In and our experience, there's awesome. Not, yeah, 
<laughs> the wizard supremacists over here. But I mean, because in our experience, the martial characters in D and D don't do a lot of ma- like mass damage. They don't do a lot of area effect kind of clearing kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So you can introduce siege engines for them to use with their proficient attack rolls, and so they have something else they can do that can take out a lot of zombies. Or maybe let them build it. You give them the resources to, for them to come up with some things, and they can build catapults, or they can build, you know, giant exploding, yeah. you know, exploding, exploding cannonballs or something they can throw out there. So you give everyone a way to deal mass damage, you bring the 300 zombies towards them, and you let them figure out how they're going to deal with it, you know? The, um that's why I said earlier. One-on-one slots. The DM uh, in the DMG, check it out because they got siege weapons in there. Yeah. Uh, already built out, and that can be a lot of fun to play with. You know, you give somebody a fucking ballista, and you have somebody like Hawk Morgan, who's probably just pick the thing up and start using like a crossbow as he walks through the village. Who knows, right? Maybe they can make up. Maybe they figure out a way to make a holy uh, a holy water fire hose. You know, they figure out like a man-powered yeah. pump system where this there's a, a priest blessing the water flowing from the creek into, this a, pool, into, Marvel, into a pool. This is some Marvel uh, kit bashing level stuff here, man. No reason you can't kit bash in yeah. D&D. You just got to think yeah. outside the box. Give them a chance to do it. it. They'll surprise you. Well, that's what I'm saying. You never know how your players are going to – so allow them to think their way out of the problem because they might come up with some really, really unique, yeah. interesting ways to do that. And this is the kind of battle where you want to be really open with. They're like, "Hey, do we have anything we can build with?" Sure, you got a whole forest. What do you want to make? Right. I want to make. I want to make a. I want to make a catapult that throws flaming balls. Okay. You need to make me some rolls to figure this out, but I'll let you do it. You know, and and, and give them a chance to do that sort of thing. So they have some other mass weapons that makes this a more fun combat than 300 attack rolls. You know what that's making me think of is why everyone wants to turn uh, the Magnificent Seven into. A game, a game setting, right? Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but then you, what you need with that is you have your 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 abilities and your martial abilities and your spellcasting, but what you also have is time to yeah. build all of the crazy traps that they're about to run into as they come in trying to take over the town, right? And that's exactly what you were just describing. So if you give them time for this to really start to – uh, to build things out, that can that could really become very fun in that way. There's there's a writer, David Gemmel, who I think his first book's called Legend, who does in every one of his books you have some kind of defensive work siege going on. In the way he does he basically, you know, he lets he lets the characters figure out how are we going to defend this situation against this impossible to defend horde. And that's always a hallmark of his stories. And it's actually really cool. That's awesome. Letting the players do that is a cool thing to do. The home alone uh, method, right? <laughs> <laughs> what do I have around here that I can use? All right, guys. So we've been talking for a while here about mass combat. Now, before we had our own morale failures, what are your final thoughts on how you would DM mass combat? I would focus in on what the players are going to do in respect with the key opponents on the battlefield themselves. Give them a, uh, an idea of what their objectives could be for winning, what losing looks like. And during all this crazy combat, I would also focus on what is happening with the troops that they're commanding and their opposing forces. I'd kind of give them visual story-based updates on that. Absolutely. I would say right in the beginning, realize that you are running headlong into one of the very design issues with D&D as a game is that it came from war games, very intense, gridded out armies, wargaming and then they said what if we were one guy 
So right off the bat, they kind of divorced themselves to a degree from those minis campaigns. So just realize that. I would say what I said in the beginning, which is you can have this idea of that high overview and then local battles. So your high overview, it works just like combat, but you have either zones, as Thorin talked about, or groups or platoons or battalions or whatever. Give them an AC, give them a number of hit points. Those hit points equal actual you know, beings within those platoons and work that way. Have that start to affect what's then going to happen at the local level, at the local combat where your heroes are. You swing down into those areas, and that's the point where you have terrain becomes a, uh, an issue. Terrain is going to constantly be changing, and that's also going to have to do with what's happening in your high overview. So you keep those things talking to each other so they're both exciting. You have your combatants, just like a normal session, but increase the risk through that randomness like we talked about. Start to create some of the chaos that having that many bodies swinging swords and slinging spells around will do. It's not going to be pretty. And as we said, I would look in your DMG, look at siege weapons, because why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> Whether you build them or the army is rolling in to take out take out the castle, go with that. So. For me, you know, my biggest final thought is if you're going to run, if you're going to put the party in the middle of a, of a, of a battlefield, middle of a war, it's got to be cool. And it's really easy for these kinds of things to get boring and turn into a slog. So the first thing I would start with is what are my players going to find cool? Are my players going to find it more fun to deal with this as a skill challenge? I kind of think that's the least interesting way to do it, but it works. And if your players are going to want to do that, like they're going to just want to make some tactical roles or some combat roles, and you roll through it as kind of like a very narrative kind of story, great. If you think your players are going to want to be out there slaughtering enemies by the hundred, let them get out there. And figure out, and like, you know, as we've talked about, you know, figure out a way to simulate the both the chaos of battle, the danger of battle, the odds that they're going to get hit by something they can't defend against because they didn't see it. And also, how do you sim what the battles, what the what the uh, what the other units are doing? I, you know, we talked about having, you know, there's ways to do this. You could actually literally have each unit broken down into like into mini in, into into groups where they're fighting each other. The problem is that can take too long. I would recommend massing more so you're making fewer rolls. Like you probably you do want to do something like where it's either where there's a roll between turns to tell your players, okay, you're losing over here, you're winning over there, or you're losing overall, or, or you're winning overall. But you want to get that down to a few rolls, not 20 rolls per turn. So I would recommend, you know, and you can do this. You can do this with a simple single roll. You can simply say, all right. Here's your this D20 is your guys. This D20 is the bad guys. Roll the dice, and whichever one comes out higher, the other guy, the other side loses, lo loses combatants and gets like a negative one penalty or whatever. So you I mean you can so you don't need to always do a hundred different rolls. You don't need you don't need 25 different units on each side. Think about how to simplify it because that's going to make it more fun for your players because they're not watching you essentially, you know, basically do a bunch of math on the sideline. If your players are into the more tactical minis kind of combat, let them control the units. Make it into basically a game of Warhammer or, 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 or fantasy battles or whatever your minis, your, your favorite minis game is, and let them control units, you control the enemy units, and just fight it out as a tactical war game. 
you know, if your players are into that, but it really comes down to each of those options. What are your players into? You want to figure out what they're going to enjoy, lean into that, capture that in the battle. I would absolutely put some cool things in like some siege engines. Maybe they can capture an only font on the field and turn it against the bad guys. <laughs> Maybe they can go, you know, it's very common. I mean, if you watch, if you listen to Hamilton, you know, Hamilton in the siege of New York captured British cannons and turned them on the British. That's a really common thing that have happened. And it's really cool when you're the player who does it. So put that kind of opportunity in there. Let them go for the, for the enemy bad guys. Let the rogue try to take the backstab and just pop the head off the enemy general. Let that kind of thing happen. Not right away, but give them a chance to get to it. So you can have cool stuff happen that your players are going to enjoy, because that's the most important thing. And if you do that, you win the game for the night because the players had a good time. That's the most important part. There we go. All right, guys. That's it. I think we, we think we talked this one to death. Thanks a lot for, for joining me on it. Absolutely. <laughs> we definitely did some, um, some, some mass wordage here. Mass no. word combat. No. This isn't working. No. This isn't working. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. That's a that's a morale uh, uh, that's oh, a penalty on that's like psychic damage. Yeah. yeah, there we go. They're very effective in combat though. That was like vicious mockery. <laughs> I feel like I have to run away. A dissonant whispers. I now have to run as far from you as possible. Now it makes more sense, right? <laughs> so guys, thanks again for joining me here, and for all of you at home, thank you very much for listening to Three Wise DMs. You, we've been growing by leaps and bounds, and that really comes from you and your support. So please continue sharing it. Give us the five-star rating on whatever your podcast platform is. That really helps us get the you know, spread and for more people to find us. Give us a review. Share it with your friends. All that stuff really helps us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. If you have something you'd like to hear us talk about, you know, this, this was a question sent to us through Facebook Messenger. Feel free to reach out. You can send us an email at threewisedms at gmail.com. You can go to our website, threewisedms.com, which, by the way, also has a ton of articles. And you can enter, you can you can put your problem in the what's your problem field for us to consider to talk about on the air. Or you can reach us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Very active in all those places. And we would love to hear your questions because we honestly, that's how we get some of our best topics. Yeah. If you like, that's it for this week. See you next time on Three Wise DMs. Thank you.